So, Steph, welcome to the podcast, my brother. Thank you for having me, man. And so, for the listeners here, is is it Stephanos or Stephanos? Stephanos. Stephanos. Okay, got you. Everyone says like a different thing on social media. Um, so this is Stephanos. He does deep work on himself and the deep work that he does on himself is just a reflection of the great work that he's doing in the world. Um, so I really appreciate what you're doing, man. And so he, for everyone listening, he's a love and relationship coach. Um, he's also a men's work and breath work facilitator and yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, likewise, man. Thank you for having me. So who are you and why do you do what you do? <laughs> uh, you know, Dr. Dr. John Martini tells us that our, our voids become our values. And so I do what I do. I am who I am in the world because, uh, you know, I value autonomy, sovereignty, freedom. I value human connection and intimacy. I value growth, evolution, expansion. And those are the things that I didn't really experience the, uh, as a child to the extent that I wanted to experience them or that I felt capable of. I felt very restricted as a child and grew up in a very volatile, violent family. And there was just a lot of pressure. And so as an adult, you know, we often we try and find our way through others or we try, you know, we teach what we need to learn the most. So I'm a perpetual student, that's for sure. And uh, I, I get to, to teach and impart wisdom around what does it mean to be human? Because I'm asking that question of myself on a regular basis. It's an important focus for me, human performance, optimization, potentiality, consciousness, relationships, intimacy, sexuality, all of that. And, uh, you know, I figured if I can teach that, if I can help people through their own stuff, then I obviously be doing the same for myself and vice versa. If I really move myself through some heavy stuff, things that are difficult in my life, then I get to maybe be a beacon of light or an inspiration potentially for others. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's a, it's a daring path and it's, it's a challenging one because it's like, speaking your truths and, and your perspectives to the world like that it's like you have to because you talked about like how you're a student and mm -hmm. you know since you are a teacher obviously you're also a student and it's it's very it can be challenging to you know spread your message out there and try to make it so that it's perfectly right and acceptable and understood by everyone and and, I, and that's something that I've noticed like along my path it's like okay, like I just have to make sure that what's coming from me is coming from my heart. But yeah. I can't, I can't dwindle down my message or whatever it may be in order to please everyone. No, and, and you can't. And that's a very hard lesson that I learned in my life, man, that I wanted to be that people please. I wanted to ensure that everyone was okay or everyone liked me or everyone was happy with my message. And after a period of time, I just learned that that's not possible. It's not the case and it's not healthy to be striving for that, to have that as a goal or objective, it just really isn't healthy. Mm -hmm. So what are some major life experiences that got you started on this path? Oh, a number of different life experiences, my friend. I mean, for me, I was very blessed. See, whilst I had a very 
tumultuous upbringing, turbulent upbringing, I also experienced love, which was very confusing. And I'd be, I'd be known as what's called a disorganized attachment style um, in attachment theory. Uh, however, um, there were there were some really deep times, deep experiences that I had because of my mother. She exposed me to spirituality. She exposed me to consciousness beyond what we what we see, feel, and, and perceive in a common sense. Um, you know, I was I was blessed formally by a uh, a Tibetan monk who was very very um, was ordained very highly in in that discipline in that in that practice at the age of 16 um, and that was a formal a formal blessing there was there was a lot that I experienced and for me man my deepest healing and my deepest revelations have come from my ability to delve into my shadows to look at my pain to be with my fears to not ignore and numb the uncomfortable or the the uh, what I call undesirable undesirable feelings you know the the jealousy or the torment that we feel the 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 fear of approaching someone and speaking your truth or sharing your your heart vulnerably you know whatever it may be or the anger the aggression the rage and I've experienced a lot of that in my life and so really going into those places and leaning into the discomfort they have been revelatory experiences for me you know when I Many years ago, I was with my partner and she discovered that I was unfaithful in that relationship. Instead of running from that, for the first time in my life, I really chose to be with that and actually ask, get curious, oh, why am I doing this? Where is this coming from? Why do I have all this pain, this fear, this anger towards everyone, towards myself, this judgment and critique and leaning into all of that. And that was a catalyst for really where I am today, that whole experience, that Pandora's box opening up. Um, and so they have been some of my most profound experiences and, and many others as well along the way. Mm -hmm. Right. And thank you for sharing that. And so, and so I wanted, I want to dive right into, you know, the mother wound and the father wound and just like that childhood dynamic mm -hmm. and from your experience and, you know, through your work, how do each of those wounds manifest yeah, so our, our primary our primary relationships to our primary caregivers really set the tone for who we become as adults. Now, the mother wound and the father wound is not it's not a formal psychological analysis or condition. However, it can definitely lend itself to understanding behavior. You know, when we look at early childhood wounds and we look at trauma, um, these wounds and these traumas, they, they far outlive our childhood. They reverberate through our adult lives. They can isolate us from love and they, they can distance us from truth and, and really experiencing the lives that we want to live. These wounds, they, this, you know, the, the father-mother wound or the symbolism of that can penetrate the essence of our of you know, what a healthy relationship means to us. And it causes us to feel less than. It causes us to, to, to not, not feel connected, right? And so, and not feel like we belong. We feel this sense of, ah, this, this just doesn't make sense to me. 
So may, maybe let's begin with um, healthy inner parent, like well, healthy parent child dynamics that lends itself to how we communicate with ourselves, all right? And how we how we talk to our self-talk, our self-judgment. Are we harsh with ourselves? Are we constantly hard and judgmental of ourselves, which then leaks onto others? Or do we have a healthy in, you know, inner parent child dynamic with ourselves? So we're talking about parts, right? Parts therapy or gestalt style therapy or inner child work. We're made up of different parts. Not to say that we're fragmented, but we can feel like that sometimes. But not to say that we're schizophrenic. We just we have different perceptions. And these perspectives and perceptions help us navigate the world. They help us remain safe or pull away from a situation or a relationship that doesn't feel too safe or doesn't feel in alignment with our values or whatever it may be. And to cultivate a healthy inner parent child dynamic, we have to have examples of that in our lives and or we have to do real deep deliberate work to get to that place. So, you know, as and, and as a listener here, think about your own childhood. Did your parents make time for you? Did they honor your boundaries? Did they ask you questions? Were they honest with you? Did they hide things from you? Were they, were they really open and empowering and empathetic and compassionate? Were they really critical? Um, you know, did they project their problems onto you? Um, did they communicate with, with you with curiosity, compassion? Did they provide structure and stability in your life? Um, did they believe in you and encourage you? Um, did they provide a platform for creativity and free expression? Did they allow space to uh, explore yourself without judgment um, and to, to go into, you know, deeper feelings of anger or resentment or, you know, big feelings like fear or whatever, whatever it may be, right? And so this can be really, really important in terms of how we see ourselves and how that mother wound or, or father wound can, um, can really show up in our lives and hurt us. Because what generally happens is when we come into this place of um, experiencing the father wound as an adult, and it's actually, let me give you some examples. I'll give you some examples of the father wound. I'll give you some examples of the, of the mother wound. Um, as, you know, as we experience that as adults. So as a father wound, in, in being in the father wound, you may be controlling or oppressive as an adult. You may be subjugating and aggressive. You may be hyper-competitive. Um, you lack healthy male friendships and bonds. You lack sexual mastery. In other words, you're not connected to your sexuality. You use it to validate yourself. You, use, you objectify women or you objectify people that you're having sex with. You excessively seek validation through accomplishments and your status. Um, you, you feel lost within yourself, right? Like you, you lack drive, inspiration, vision, and purpose. Um, you, you almost have this attitude that is purely driven by goals and objectives and win at any cost. That's your attitude. Like I'm going to win. I don't care if I hurt people. That's how I roll. Um, you're unconsciously seeking your father's approval and acceptance. And even consciously, I remember in my own life where I would do things and I would achieve great things, whether it's start a new business or do something really difficult or athletic endeavor. And I would have this very quick thought that I would suppress and ignore. And the thought would be, oh, well, you know, my dad would be really proud of me. I wonder what he would think of me. I should tell him this. He really liked this. And at the time, I ignored that. I didn't think where it was coming from, but it was a really deep thing. Um, you may experience self-loathing, self-hate, self-destructive behaviors, high-risk behaviors, seeking that father wound approval. Like, look at me, dad, look at me. I'm taking this massive risk. Are you proud of me? You see, I can do things. I'm capable. That type of conversation. Like also that enough is never enough. 
attitude. You always want more. These are these can lend themselves to the father wound. Now the mother wound is a little different. Now remember, we 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 create contrast in our world to help us navigate the world. We learn through contrast. We learn rich. We learn rich. Sorry, we learn in a rich way and in a deep way through contrast. Mm. So ultimately, these are human issues. That's powerful. Before you go on, that's really powerful because there are a lot of people who. Because like from one perspective, you could knock like the whole masculine feminine thing, mm. say like, you know, that it's not really black and white and things like that. And sure, perhaps from a very objective angle, it's not. But at the same time, it does help to kind of just split it up in that way so that we can get a better understanding of things like that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, that, and that's what it is. It just helps us understand. That's That's it. It just helps us connect it helps us make sense it helps us it gives us a sense of belonging and meaning contrast helps but it's when we use contrast for division and isolation and and through judgment through a lens of harsh critique that we then isolate mm -hmm. in other words oh the color of your skin means this the shirt that you're wearing means that your gender means this your socioeconomic status means that and there's these prima facie associations that we make that are not really grounded in actually knowing that person or knowing the, the the reality or what real the layers of reality that underpin the, the superficiality of what we're seeing. And so we're speaking about father wounds and we're speaking about mother wounds, but it's so much more complex than that. But it helps us understand and go, oh yeah, okay, I experienced that as a child. Now I can relate because relating relatability is everything in terms of uh, immer immersing ourselves into learning and growth. Now that I can relate, let me be able to do something about that. I feel more comfortable. Right. Because it was funny whenever you listed like all of those things, like all of those needs that you had as a child that you perhaps didn't get. It was funny because you listed like so many damn boxes. And I was like, I mean, I love my parents and, you know, I, I acknowledge that they did do their best, but it's like, yeah. gee, like, I don't know, like how many of those boxes I could actually check. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it's a super, like for me, for example, I like, the mother wound is definitely one area in which like, like, I think that's probably where I was impacted the most just mm -hmm. through, you know, my entire life, just really identifying and understanding like how I interact with women. Mm -hmm. I can definitely see something there, but yeah. So let's hear you talk about the, uh, the mother wound. Yeah, for sure. So mother wound, you know, experiencing the mother wound as an adult may look like wanting to save everyone and sacrificing yourself, you know, being that people pleaser and maximizing others, minimizing yourself. Um, you know, you, you find yourself regularly in the middle of conflict. You shame your body. Um, you don't value your own gifts that you bring to friendships in the world and to the people that you love and care about. Um, you constantly perceive or over perceive that others dislike you. You're threatened by other women, or you or you, and or you're threatened by the feminine, right? Particularly if you've had a very difficult relationship with your mother, an ostracized relationship, or a strained relationship with your mother, or you've seen your mother behave in certain ways that maybe weren't healthy, like she neglected you, or she was a drug abuser, or she she prostituted her body, and whatever you know, whether you're a, a boy, young boy or a girl, whatever that looks like. You can you can form a very deep distrust with the mother and with the representation of the feminine through the mother. Um, again, you unknowingly seeking your mother's love through actions that negate your own and your own self-love. 
you're unable to express emotions and vulnerability, or the opposite of that is that you're very leaky with your emotions and vulnerability. And almost feeling like life and that you as a person are never good enough. And there is there are some characteristics and experiences we may have with that mother wound part of it. Mm-hmm. So how does someone go about like truly unpacking those things? <laughs> <laughs> But but I would say like a more important question is, so for me, for example, like, you know, having, you know, I guess you can say that issue with the mother wound or, or whatever, with the feminine, how would someone go about really just being able to become more intimate um, and close with whatever sex that may be, because like I, you know, the way that I see it at least is that, okay, if you had issues with relating to your father growing up, then perhaps you're going to have issues being intimate and close with male figures in your life. Potentially, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to like hear you talk a little bit about that. We have to fundamentally create safety within our own selves. So we have to be able to trust ourselves, trust the decisions that we make, um, the people that we're spending our time with. And we, we need support in exploring these deep shadows that reside within us. That's an important part of the process as well. And so the safer we can feel within our own constitution, emotionally, psychologically, physically, um, the more empowered we become to heal those relationships. Now, for men, you know, we get to know ourselves through challenge. Challenge is the, the realm of the masculine. That doesn't mean that women can't challenge themselves, of course. It's a masculine trait. Again, it's a human trait, first and foremost. But we say masculine, we learn through contrast, right? So we come back into that richness of learning through contrast. And when we challenge ourselves and we overcome or move through those challenges, we get a sense of, oh, I'm, I'm able. I carry a greater ability and capacity and capability. I feel more confident. So we want to develop confidence in ourselves. Confidence in ourselves. Now, once we, as we develop confidence, one of the ways we develop confidence is working through our shadows. So again, work with a shaman, a spiritual teacher, a group of people, a support group, a counselor, a psychologist, whatever it may be, to help you navigate the murky waters of your own past or your own pain or your own trauma or the shadows that you can't see, the blind spots that we have. You know, perspective is a wonderful thing. We can't, often can't see the forest through the trees, but if there's someone in a helicopter above you and they, they've got walkie-talkies and you're communicating and they can tell you, hey, you, you know, you're actually in this massive forest. There's not just trees. And so perspective really helps. And having outside perspective that we trust, respect, and revere can help ground us into a new way of being. And that can change the stories that we've formed and the meaning that we've laid around men are unsafe. I can't trust men or I can't trust my own self. If you have an issue with masculine, again, providing stability, structure and routine in your life, getting up at a certain time, having a morning and an evening routine can help you feel more safer in your body. Um, Doing certain things that uh, create wellness, exercise as an example, cold showers, sauna, whatever it may be, health and wellness. these, These help you connect to your body. Connecting to the body is very, very important for feeling safe and trusting. But again, this is a process and it's important to do this with people that you trust, respect and revere and generally professionals. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about confidence in the body because for so much of my life, I was focused on 
I was focused on like adding that confidence. Like I would literally like as a middle schooler, I would like look up like how to be more confident. And none of them were saying, you know, look at your shadows. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't subtracting things. It was like fix your posture and, you know, uh, talk deeper and things like that. Like just like this crazy stuff. And, you know, perhaps like some of those things, like maybe like exercise or whatever it may be, like actual embodiment practices like breath like perhaps i can steer you in that direction and help you it, it can perhaps be a guide to becoming more natural and and free in your expression but mm. that's not what it is like it just is and you have to like drop into it yeah surrender is a big part of that <laughs> You know, trusting and surrendering in that, that's been a big part of my own journey is really trusting and surrendering to the moment, the unknown, the mystery. The, the feminine represents the mystery, the mystery represents the feminine. And that's been really difficult for me in, in many different respects, in many different ways. And, you know, we don't, we, we struggle to trust what we don't understand and what we don't know and what's not familiar because we deem it to be unsafe. And naturally our brains and bodies want to move away from what's unsafe. And so it's important to make a commitment and, and a deliberate decision to lean into the unknown. And we can condition ourselves to that. Like a simple thing to do is take a different route to work every day or, you know, do something that scares you just a little bit. That's unfamiliar. You know, ask that girl out apply for that job, start that business, um, have that difficult conversation with a friend, uh, be vulnerable about something, like condition yourself, expose yourself to being more and more comfortable with the unknown because then when the time comes to really surrender, um, in, you know, in, term, in times of difficult and, uh, difficulty and emotional turmoil, you know, you, you, you've, got a, you've got an experience of that, you know, start a backyard garden, maybe you're not handy, you know, build something in your garage, like whatever it may be, you know, start a new hobby, you know, collect stamps, like go through the process of learning something new. Um, that can help cultivate, again, that can be a challenge, that can help cultivate, oh, I've immersed myself in the unknown, you know, join a, a forum in, in the new city that you've just moved to, whatever it may be. There's lots of examples and there's many, many more. You know, cry when you, you always don't cry or when you, when you try and stop yourself from crying. Like really do things that are challenging. Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah, I really like that because it's very easy to get into this very dualistic way of looking at the deep work, looking at the inner work. But, you know, the more that I, you know, travel on my journey, I realize that it's all connected. Like everything is the deep work. Like any moment that I'm not challenging myself, any moment that I'm not stepping into the unknown, any moment that I'm playing it safe, it's all, it's just transparent. You know what I mean? It's all connected. It's all the same thing. So me, for example, like if, I, if I'm afraid to face a woman, and to like actually approach her, like it's a reflection of my relationship with myself. It's like, I'm not able to face myself. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk, I want to talk with you about the nice guy versus asshole realm, because I find that super interesting just how, because of what it, it's really like the, 
you know, the way I see it, it's like really like the difference between like that very primal expression of ourselves, that very natural expression, and perhaps you could say the divine expression or the, you know, I'm not completely sure. And so I want to hear like, you know, what your thoughts are about that. With respect to what exactly? Um, so really just finding this freedom of expression within ourselves and because like whenever like we're in that free place, like sometimes we can, um, you know, it's really, yeah. I mean, it's really the paradigm of like nice guy versus like asshole. Mm. You know, like, like, like that's really like, you know, that's what, that's how you hear people representing the idea in the media. Mm. Um, so what do you think about that? Well, there's a lot to say to this. So from an evolutionary perspective and a physiological perspective, there's some scientific studies that show um, that some, and we're talking about sexual polarity and attraction dynamics here, that demonstrate that women are attracted to men that have a brooding look or that are intense or that are potentially mean to other people. And it sounds like an oxymoron. And the science behind or the physiology behind it is that what that symbolizes is um, from an ancient perspective or an evolutionary perspective is a man that is strong and a man that is confident. Um, I mean, it's arrogance in these days, but a man that can take care of himself, a man that can protect. And at some level, at some layer, there's an attraction to that because that's appealing in terms of sexual dynamics, in, in terms of um, power plays and power dynamics. Um, and, and, and someone's ability to feel safe. Now, there are issues with that because whilst ancestrally from an evolutionary perspective, evolutionary psychology, evolutionary biology, you know, the millions of years that we've been around as humanoids and that's developed, what's also developed in that time is the advent of language, is the complexity of culture, is the development of the prefrontal cortex, our ability to expand consciousness. And so whilst we have those urges and those neurological nervous system hormonal attractions that play into who we're attracted to there are far more complexities there's inner child dynamics there's uh, wounds traumas shadows that also play into the, the psyche the personality there's not that that didn't exist before it just existed differently um, it was far more about survival before and now it's less about that for most maybe not most of the world I shouldn't say that but for a great deal, anyway, this audience, right? It's, it's far, people that are listening to this, it's far more about thriving than it is about pure survival. And so, you know, we hear these sayings, you know, be mean to keep them keen. Like, does this really, does this, is this really helpful? And at some level, it, it quote unquote works, but it, appe it appeals to people's shadows. It appeals to their primal essence. Um, and so there's so much more. It's really because they're, they're wounded and they haven't healed themselves. And they have unresolved issues. They think that once, you know, they get that guy, or one of the ways to get the guy or the girl is to be intentionally mean, you know, play hard to get, be elusive. Not mysterious, because that's different. Um, and in, in, in be mysterious in nature to appear more attractive. That's another issue. What happens is these people keep people at bay, right? And at a safe distance and not show their true authentic selves in order to protect themselves from getting hurt, to protect their egos. They haven't experienced pain, so they wear this harsh protective layer to avoid being stepped on by others. 
And so when we look at that, in truth, what we're seeing is these people just want to be seen, heard, respected, revered, validated, loved, appreciated. You know, th this is these basic human needs. But we, we can't also discount the fact that being cooperative with others gets us further as opposed to being intentionally oppressive. And so there is a healthy expression of what people call being an asshole or, you know, um, or being mean, and that's called being you. So, you know, we don't get attached to an outcome. You don't be fake. You care less about what others think of you. You be in integrity. You walk your talk. That doesn't make you an asshole. But how you express that can. So you may way because someone... Some people are not prepared to see someone being in their authentic expression and honoring their choices. And people who have done their deep work, their shadow work, they'll be themselves, but they won't be themselves in an oppressive way or treat people mean or manipulate. They will be themselves, but with compassion and love. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately we have, to, we have to just go through our own processes. We have to make a choice about who do we want to be in the world? And do we want to come from old wounding or do we want to come from a new renewed sense of self? Right. That's powerful, man. Um, I mean, I, I was thinking about that yesterday. I mean, it's really about, like I have to, I have to accept that like there will be moments where perhaps I am like too much of an asshole because it's like a wound. You know what I mean? Like it's a wound. And I accept that, okay, like I had to experience that. And you know, like, like, yeah, like I have to experience that. And perhaps like in the future, like I will be more present and attentive to that response before it actually comes up. Um, mm. And so if I, you know, if I decide that I want to respond differently, then that's what I'll do. But I have to I have to respect, I have to accept that this is how I acted this time, like no matter what. And I feel like that's kind of, yeah, just doing the work. Yeah. So I wanna talk with you about repressed anger and how you've worked with that within yourself and within others. Yeah, through a lot of releasing, man. Um, you've got to feel your big feelings. You know, we want, we want to forgive. We want to feel freedom. But if we don't feel those feelings that we repressed at the onset of a deep or traumatic or big experience, they're just going to keep playing out and leaking out in different ways. It's like that, that, that man that doesn't speak his truth at work and comes home and he can do it. He can, you know, he just remains silent, but he's stewing and brewing inside. He's got no healthy outlet. He doesn't exercise. He, he doesn't have men that he can communicate with and other people that he can share his life with or his problems with. And he just holds it in and holds it in. And eventually that shit can bust. You know, everyone's got an elastic band. That elastic band will only stretch so far. And so people experience that pain. And, and you know, if you don't feel your anger in healthy ways and have healthy outlets, um, it, will, it will just remain repressing you. And it turns into physio physiological symptoms, cancer, heart attack, you know, IBS, digestive issues, immune immune disorders, like you name it. That's what it turns into. Science proves this. Emotions that are stagnant, where people aren't being aren't emotionally intelligent, and they repress repress very big emotions such as you know grief, fear, anger, rage, whatever it may be, and they continue to do that over a long period of time. It does manifest into physiological conditions, and the opportunity that we have 
is to create healthy outlets for that, to be seen and witnessed in a non-judgmental and compassionate way. And the deep work that I do with men, well, with, with couples, men and women, we create safe containers. I create safe containers for men to express themselves without judgment, to be seen in all of their ugly, all of their mess, in all of their big, big feelings. And that shit leaves you. It's like a drain that you just unclog that hasn't got the hair and the foodstuffs and all of that. And all of a sudden the water's flowing freely. There's this sense of true freedom. And so we create spaces to, you know, it's psychosomatic work. It's, it's body work. It's somatic therapy. It's moving the trauma through the body because the trauma just isn't registered cognitively in our minds or as experiences or memories. It's registered in our bodies at a cellular level. We've got to shift that shit. And so, you know, they're long processes. Gestalt style therapy is part of that. Um, inner child therapy is part of that. Um, but it's moving it somatically through the body as well. Um, so, yeah, that's some of the ways that, that I work with, with men in dealing or with people, not just men, a lot of women actually have a lot of anger. Um, it's just, it's presented a little differently in men and women. Right. And so what are some of those embodiment practices that you go to like on a regular basis that really have moved the needle for you? Oh yeah. For me, um, you know, breath is very important. Breath definitely helps. Um, I'll take myself through different neurological processes of, you know, shaking, modulating, reverberating, vibrating, moving my body, moving energy through the nervous system, the specific trauma release uh, exercises that one can do. Uh, movement, whether it's just walking or running or, or big exercise or intense exercise, hitting bags, I'm taking myself through emotional release processes and my clients through that. It's not super difficult to explain, but I, I tend not to explain the details too much because it's one of those things I like, don't try this at home, kids, you know, like <laughs> not without detailed supervision and uh, detailed explanation and support. Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. Um, and so I have two more questions for you. Yeah. Um, the first is what would you tell a person who feels purposeless and lost at the moment yeah it's a great question so i was um being interviewed earlier today on uh, basically the same question and i'm going to answer it a little differently is the first thing is be okay with that now that's not resignation and giving up and victimhood that's acceptance and being okay with what are the lessons right now? What are the teachings? What are, what is, where's the growth for me? What can I experience here? I feel purposeless. I, I feel visionless. I feel like I'm not on a mission. I feel less than. Okay, this is an undesirable place to be. These are undesirable feelings, but these undesirable feelings have just as much to teach me as the desirable feelings of joy and elation and happiness and bliss and confidence and all of that. Courage. So how can I lean into this? So firstly, lean into it. Because there's something there. And if that's a constant thing, it's telling you something about your environment, your internal state, the relationships you have in your life, the choices that you're making. Be curious about that. Be okay with it. But be willing to take action. Maybe it's micro action. Maybe it's massive action. Maybe it's moonshot thinking that, that leads you to big, big action. Whatever it is, you've got to be okay with it as a starting point. Secondly, if that's a perpetual thing that you're feeling in your life and a condition, a state that you're experiencing over and over and over again, then it's telling you something about maybe some blocks or shadows that you have that you're not exploring, that you're not owning, 
you're not assuming responsibility for. You get to, again, lean into, delve into those uncomfortable feelings. Not to stay there, I'm not a sadist, but to learn and grow. And the, the funny thing is, you know, the deeper we go in, the quicker we get out. The bison in the middle of a storm, they pack together, together, they huddle and they move into the eye of the storm. They go in, they go through it, they get out of it quicker. They don't run away from it. It's a really nice analogy. Something to be said for that. So if you're feeling purposeless, do your shadow work. Explore the, un, the unconscious, the conscious, the undesirable, the unpleasant. Explore all of that within yourself and seek some support. Don't try and fix yourself. Don't try and be different. <laughs> Don't try and do more. At some point, you've got to face what's plaguing you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. It's like the way I think about it is that whenever something's not moving, then the entire system is just clogged. And so it's not going to work. Of course, you're going to feel stuck. Like, like you said, I think you had, it was like a toilet analogy or something like that. It's like, if there's shit like down the drain, like the, like literally none of the water is going to go down. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I certainly noticed that in my life. If it's like, you know, I could, it's, it's, it's as simple as noticing like me half-assing a workout. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, if I'm half-assing this workout, like how is that playing in other areas of my life? And whenever I actually go down and do a full workout and I give it like my 100%, then I'm like, oh, like, okay, things are like actually like pretty good right now. Like things seem to be flowing. Yep. So finally, what to you is the meaning of life? <laughs> oh... What is the meaning of life? For me, man, it's exploration and constant curiosity. I, I, I honor my ancestors and those before me when I explore with curiosity and openness meaning, when I don't limit myself to rigid ways of being and at the same time stand strong in my values because I've chosen to explore them enough, deep enough to hold there and be with those values meaning of life for me is willingness a willingness to explore the unknown to be in the mystery to be with the pain just as much as to be with the pleasure to celebrate the pleasure as well to celebrate the the beauty in life like all of that and so the meaning of life is i think a constant exploration of the unknown and a willingness to expand beyond what we think we know is real mm -hmm. 100%, my brother. Well, Steph, thank you for being on the podcast, and I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you very much. Mm -hmm.